Check. Beautiful. Guess what time it is? It's almost 10 o'clock. It's almost 10 p.m. <laughs> Here we are again. Here we are again. Here we are. All right. Okay. How was your day? Uh, you know, learning and earning. Oh, boy. It was a day like any other day. Oh. Yeah. Any any other day at Pirate Island. <laughs> any other day at your local Pirate Island. I'm a pirate now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a pirate. I feel like you're going to fall fast asleep. Well, your story best not be boring. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Keep me engaged, Faith. Well, I'm fine. Thank you for asking. Oh, yeah. How's your day? It was good. I didn't ask how you were uh, uh, or how your day was, so. <laughs> I know. Hi, Hi David. <laughs> good night it was good i had the day off i worked on editing uh i worked on some homework that i've got and i went to ikea i walked around for like 45 minutes and i didn't buy anything so i'm Fun. very impressed with myself um i smashed my foot on a sleeper bed couch or uh, like a sleeper couch because i was like i went to go like take the bottom out and assemble it into a bed and i like <laughs> threw it on my foot <laughs> oh so i don't know it looks like it's gonna be a, a pretty healthy bruise yep i'll be all right though good david and i had wendy's good and there was this so sitting behind us was like this mom and dad and their two sons and she like went to go take sounds horrible uh, well i mean like it actually wasn't terrible otherwise i wouldn't have mentioned it because it's usually terrible. I just find it funny that you went inside and actually ate inside. Because the drive through line was out of control. I don't think I've... I mean, I have done it before, but I haven't... I can't remember the last time I actually ate inside of a fast food restaurant. I know. I was going through Let Jack in the Box. called it a restaurant. <laughs> I was going through Jack in the Box the other day, and I like looked inside, and there was like two teenage girls. And I was like, this is where all teenagers should eat and stay away from real restaurants where you have to tip. I mean, that's, yeah, generally, that's what I did as a teenager, is yeah. that we'd walk to Taco Bell. Yeah. Let's get a spicy chicken crunch wrap. Yeah. All right. I, yeah. I just, I got tipped $3 on a $45 bill <gasps> Ew. by two teenage girls, and I just wanted to be like, why didn't you go to Jack in the Box? Because, like, they both ordered burgers and then, like, appetizers. And that's all the money that they had. And You're lucky you even got a tip, Faith. I mean, that's true, too. <laughs> I mean, I'm not... Tipping is such like a complex thing. I don't know. It's it's not really like a big, it is a big deal, but it's not like I work in this industry expecting absolutely everybody to tip, but it's pretty common knowledge. Like you should tip. Yeah. You know, but anyway, but yeah, so we ate at, oh, the family behind us. So it was. Yeah. Tell me about a mom, them. A mom, dad, and two boys. And the mom was trying to take a picture of the little one. They were talking about like how their day went because they had like gone to OMSI that morning and they were like talking about all the stuff they saw at OMSI. 
which was really cute. And she like tried to take a picture of him. And she was like, why do you always make that face? And she was like, when you become an what, old the little man. Boy? Yeah, because he was like, he always like frowned. He like apparently frowned really hard. She was like, why do you always make that face? And she like pulls him into her lap. And she was like, when you're an old man, your kids are going to be like, Grandpa, why are, what are all these pictures of you when you're little? You look so salty. And you're going to be like, well, I like to throw shade. And she's just like sort of like rocking him back and forth <laughs> while she's like saying making, this. Making just up this making crazy shit up. story. <laughs> And I was like, oh, this, that was adorable. <laughs> <laughs> and then the husband came back with the older boy and like a tray full of Frosties. And I was like, what a good fucking day. What a good family. Yeah, right? And it was, it was I only really got cute. a Frosty if I filled up the little chore sticker chart and I got to the gold star. One Frosty. And my options were an ice cream cone from McDonald's or a Frosty. I but mean, the problem is, is can I get a fry with that? Am I right? <laughs> Frosty is not worth it unless you have fries. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> I don't know what that person was just now. I don't know what that character Can I get was. a fry, please? <laughs> oh. What? Okay, where did that thing come from? Do you remember? Can yeah. I get a hot tub? Oh, yeah, that was, was like uh, that uh, farmer's commercial or something. Yeah. State Farm. <laughs> Can I get a hot tub? Like a good neighbor. State Farm is there. Can I get a hot tub? <laughs> I was like, can I get a hot tub? <laughs> and you can insert that in their face. <laughs> I need to look that up. My day was like any other day, except last night was kind of creepy. Ooh. And then I had to put headphones in and listen to guided meditation for sleep. It's actually this nice woman's voice, and she does, like, lead you down a path. It's a familiar path. Look at all the colors, the smells, the textures. And she just talks really calmly wow. with, like... I'm very rested. Know, like, that she has this, like, music and all that. Anyways, that's to tune out any noises that happen at night in oh. my house. Because uh, I was, well, I was folding laundry and doing just basic basic bitch shit so <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know your average stuff that you do i see so i ate dinner was folding laundry doing this and that adam was already laying in bed and i was researching and looking up stories and on my phone and i went outside to smoke a cigarette yeah and then i felt extremely uneasy and creeped out so i oh. went inside uh-huh. and then i felt even more uneasy and creeped out oh shit go back outside yeah i was just like oh what do, what do i do i'm like fuck it i'm gonna ignore it i'm gonna ignore it like i'm not gonna sh like you know i just think that a ghost is watching and waiting so i'm like i'm not gonna show my fear i'm not gonna give it that satisfaction so fuck you and so i just pretend like everything was okay and i was like come on bubby it's time for bed and i scooped up my cat and we went to bed and then i realized i had to go to the bathroom and brush my hair and my teeth so I grab my robe, throw it on me, go inside, and then I go, in, yeah, I go into the bathroom and I hang up my robe behind me on like a little hook and I could see it behind me in the mirror. And as I'm like brushing my hair out, mm -hmm. I like see it move Fuck. behind me. Like it wasn't just like a little bit. It wasn't just like, oh, there's a breeze because there's no windows open in my house because it got fucking cold and I can't afford that heating bill. Right. Like it gave a good move like that. Oh, shit. Like wiggled back and forth. And I was just like, oh, 
that didn't happen. And in my brain, I'm just like, oh, that didn't happen. I'm just going to pretend it didn't happen. I'm not going to show any fear or weakness. So I pretended literally the entire night that everything was totally fine and I didn't notice anything. Mm -hmm. And then I was like hearing noises, but Paul was like in the bed, but I heard noises happening out in the living room. Oh no. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to this sleep meditation and drift peacefully to sleep. Also, I want to know if anybody can answer this, can you get addicted to a sleep meditation? Because so far, every single night, if I don't listen to it, I can't sleep. See? Remember what I told you about Bob Ross? Oh, Bob. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was... Uh, yeah. You grew a dependency on Bob right. Ross to put you to sleep. Casey had a sleepover at my house. and um, It was actually a multiple day sleepover. It was, it was pretty a, great. It was, a long, it was a long time sleepover. But mm-hmm. I had... I, I would... I was like that straggler at the end of a party that didn't leave for two days. I was like, yeah, you can just hang out. It's cool. We were falling asleep. And Casey was like, oh, I really... And we we get the giggles so bad late at night. Like, if both of us go to lay down to sleep, it's been this way since we were... We babies. Since we were kids. Like, if you put us in the same room to sleep, we just start, like, being idiots. Yeah, all we we would have to do is turn around and stare at each other and smile, and then all of a sudden it was game over. It's like if one of us moves. (laughs) (laughs) So we're sitting there, we're finally like settling down because we've been laughing like dumbasses for like an hour, and we're like, okay, okay, now we got to go to sleep. Okay. And then Casey's like, I really want a cigarette. (laughs) And then I was like, okay, let's go. I got up and I like turned off the TV and I was like, I'm going to turn off Bob Ross because I don't want to develop a dependency. And I said that with like a straight face directly at her. (laughs) And she just like her jaw dropped and she just like immediately fell over. I just started laughing because she said it so seriously. And I was just like, the fuck? Don't want to get addicted to Bob Ross. You know I, I don't mean. want to develop a dependency. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, okay. How do you? All right. <laughs> how do you? <laughs> all right, Faith, if you say so. <laughs> what don't you get addicted to? Yeah, but to? <laughs> I mean, as soon as we went up. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think. Yeah, because as soon as we went up there, I was like, oh, I kind of do want to watch Bob Ross. <laughs> right? Just thinking about Bob Ross. <laughs> oh, Bobby. So. So. Uh, how do you feel about some nonsense? Pull out a non. Has your cum-free tea. Oh my God, it's delicious. I have a whole pound of cum-free tea. <laughs> Good. Would you like some? No. I don't know. What does it taste like? Will it keep me awake? It's caffeine keep me awake. It's an herbal tea. It's made of weeds. And it is comfrey, right? It's comfrey. <laughs> <laughs> That'll never get old. <laughs> okay. Have we? I don't know if we've done this one. If you were wrongfully put into an insane asylum, what would you say to prove you're actually sane and not just pretending? Like, is it like what era is this? I think this is like modern day. Like, if if you were committed to a mental institution. Modern like, day, then I would just be like, can I talk to the therapist? Can I leave? Can I like, <laughs> yeah, can I leave? Can I talk to the therapist for a little bit? 
Um, like, can I get evaluated? All right, then let's say, <laughs> let's say, can I get an evaluation? Because I assure you that they're just going to think that I'm weird, but not insane. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, let's say it's mid 1800s. I would just be like, I really need to go back home and do laundry and make dinner for I my husband. I was just going to say, I would be like, excuse me, but I've got a lot of housework to do and I'd I like have to no, get pregnant. And I have no independency whatsoever. <laughs> I have got a lot of opinions to not have. So if you'll excuse me, I must go back and tend to uh, my husband's peener and his laundry. <laughs> back in the insane asylum with you. Yeah. Your husband's what? <laughs> Peener. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Like that's there's pretty a much thirsty so that's ding I, ding waiting for me. <laughs> that's pretty much so how I would, uh, how I would put it. <laughs> like I, I need to go back because um I am a woman with womanly duties. Yeah. If, if I were if like, I was just like I don't belong here and I'm a busy woman and. I have a lot I of have things thoughts. I need to get to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I need to go to work. And they'd be like, no, 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 no. <laughs> they'd be like, um, <laughs> you need to get to what? <laughs> work. Uh, work. <laughs> what do you mean, uh, work? My housework, that is. Yes, how? Uh, yes, yes, that's right. Not going back to my time machine, that's for sure. <laughs> my, my mic smells terrible. <laughs> yeah, mine smells kind of weird, too. It's a little musty. Can you wash these? Can you just take these foam things off and then wash them? I think you could, but we'll have to record with them for now. Man, this mic looks really fucking cool without it. I know. But I can instantly hear my echo of my voice. Yep. yep. Gotta keep the mic condom on. Mic condom on and check. <laughs> All right. So, <clears throat> welcome to High Quality Nonsense. <laughs> it's... This is our sister-powered podcast about true revenge and creepy shit, where we both sound the same and nobody knows who's supposed to go first. Yeah. I'm Faith. I'm Casey. And we're really happy you're here. So happy. Yay. You can find us across all the social media platforms under at HQN Podcast. That's Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and Instagram at HQN Podcast. <laughs> podcast. Podcast. Our email is HQNPodcast at gmail.com email us email us talk to us i promise it's, we won't hurt you it's true or be rude it's true i did i don't know if you saw but shelby said that she eats the cookie i did see that she said she didn't used to but now she does she eats the cookie more of y'all need to eat that cookie it's Cookin delicious I, I like the cookie it's fucking delicious i love the cookie adam also I loves love the, cookie, the cookie and i keep I, and I keep having to hide them. I don't know what that was. Oh. I keep having to hide our fortune cookies because Adam keeps eating them. Adam's gotten to the fortune cookies. Yeah. Adam's just like, sweets? Gandhi? 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 I want Gandhi. Okay. So, I think you should probably do yours first and then I'll finish up. I don't know. I feel like mine really needs to go last so people are just generally fucked at the end of the episode wow you know yeah, what so they're just like we care i want you guys to be like spooked out because you listen for the comedy but also for the spooks let's face it humans like getting scared only on their own volition true true i um, love a good scare i do too except we're recording in my house but i guess like david's still awake but he's not gonna like this i feel like this story is gonna fuck me up more than you really 
I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, I had the magical dancing like <laughs> fucking robe behind me. Oh, fuck. I still just like, I don't want to believe that's real. Like that instinct is kicking in with me. Too, I don't like, want to believe that it's real either. I, like, so I'm choosing not don't to, want to be scared right it. now. But that's terrifying. I'm looking at all these places. I have a map up on my wall and I'm looking at all these places where we could move to uh, to get away from Casey's house. Yes. <laughs> Canada's big. Where's Bosnia? Bosnia. Shout out to my girl Kadira. Oh, that's a made up name. No, it's not. She <laughs> told me that Kadira means powerful in Arabic. All right, fine. And her brother is named Demir. Demir and Kadira? Which Demir is a type of cheese, incidentally. Oh. That my trainer really likes to buy. It's like uh it's like somebody named Alfredo. Which I also love. Alfredo's great. Alfredo. Shout out to you Alfredos out there. Hey Alfredo. We, hey. we see you, man. <laughs> okay, here we go. So I'll be honest, shit's been busy. I got a lot going on at this point. I'm still uh, editing the last episode while, uh, in, and we're recording this one. So it's been a fucking, it's been fun. Uh, but I just wanted to preface the fact that I will be reading you guys revenge stories from modern day. Yay. And yes, <laughs> and they're coming from Reddit. So even better. Yes. So if you want, you can read along. This is that. Well, if you're explaining it, nobody's gonna want to read along. I mean, that's know. how audiobooks work. I and like podcasts. reading along. <laughs> okay, so this is from Pro Revenge. I had read over like a bunch of these, and I really liked this one. So I'm gonna read this one to you guys. This one is posted by user Ito Manzini. That Banzini. Um, yes. Um, and it's not even his story. So this is like a third hand story. <laughs> he said, so the title of the post is how I made the worst employer in the world lose a multimillion dollar account. And he says, to be honest, the I in the title is not me, but a former colleague who does not have a Reddit account. We work together in the same ad agency. I'll give my personal context first, and then I'll tell you her story exactly as she told me. We worked together in one of the big ad agencies in my country. She was a director and I was a manager in different departments. It was a global group, but it honestly sucked. I quit because I was burned out. It had Game of Thrones politics and daily occurrences of sexual and moral harassment. Jesus. The place was the worst professional experience and one of the worst personal ones I've ever had. Fuck them. Fuck them. Fuck them. Fuck them. <laughs> now for the story. Hell it, yeah. It is a long one. English is not our first language. Hell yeah. Honestly, Another shout I, out I to read Kadira. this and it's like, it's really like, it's fine. On Reddit, people are always like, English is not my first language. Please bear with me. But then like people who English is their first language, they'll be like, you ain't believe what I seen. Okay. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, oh my. So, okay. Now for the story. I, I was hired as an account director for a huge ad agency. Let's call it FFC. My account was one of the top five accounts in the agency and was worth at least seven digits. My boss, the account's VP, was one of the worst human beings I have ever met. He was sexist, rude, and liked to play favorites. When I got there as a young and okay-looking woman, I instantly became one of his favorites. He was married, by the way. Ew. One day, we left a happy hour together and he offered me a ride. I live nearby him, so not overthinking it, I accepted. He made a move, and I politely refused and left the car. After that, my life became a living hell. 
He would not include me in important meetings and then complain I didn't know things that were discussed. My reviews went from five stars to one. He pretended he didn't remember a raise he had promised. He would talk with my team and ignore me completely. The work, which was already hard, I worked 80 hours a week, become unbearable, and I almost quit. I had a long conversation with the agency HR, which went nowhere because she's his personal friend. I even escalated it to the president, with whom I had a very friendly relationship, and he said I was reading too much into things. Wow. One thing I did write, though, is that I had a great relationship with my client, the multi-million dollar account. So they were afraid to fire me. I had helped save the account, which was almost lost when I was hired. So they played a smart hand. They hired a girl who had worked with my client on his former company, with whom he had a friendly relationship with, to replace me. Oh. They then put me aside on a smaller account, which was on the verge of being lost, so they could justify firing me when that happened. But then I got lucky. My original client got promoted and opened a marketing manager position under him. When I applied, he even skipped a few hiring steps. This was October, and I was meant to start on January. I asked him not to disclose to the agency that he had hired me until I had a chance to tell them myself. The position would not work directly with the ad agency, and I no longer managed their accounts, so there was no conflict of interest, and he said, okay. Honestly, he couldn't care less. I was planning on giving them my one-month notice, which is required in my country, on November, so they could have time to find someone else. I was fired October 31st. It would have been the worst experience in the world if I cared. The VP asked me into his office to fire me. He said no one would believe me, that I would never find another job in the market, and that I had ratted him out to HR, that I was incompetent, and all the worst things that anyone could have said. He sent me to HR to sign some papers and told me to leave the building afterwards. I recorded the entire conversation. When I went to HR, the woman in charge sat me down and kept making snark comments about me not appreciating working in one of the biggest ad agencies in the world, and that I could have been great. It was surreal. Being fired in my country grants people a fair amount of money. I would have received around five months' pay per law. She wanted me to sign the paper accepting that. I said no. I played her the recording from the VP. She went incredibly pale because she understood that this was immediately a lawsuit, and also that the global team would not like it at all. I left that day and said I would contact them through my lawyer. Never said anything about the job that I had lined up. The next week, I, my lawyer, my recording, and a bunch of other documents sat down with the agency to negotiate. I ended up with over 15 months pay. Both parts signed an NDA, which included me saying I had quit. I don't know what an NDA is. Uh, I knew, I knew what this was. It's a uh, no disclosure, disclosing agreement or a disclosure, <clears throat> a agreement. non-disclosure agreement. Yeah, maybe as in like, don't right. tell anybody about this. Right. I then took a two month vacation. I told my new boss that I had made a deal while, while quitting, but that I had not disclosed I was going to work for them. He said he would tell them himself not to worry. Come January and I start my new job. My boss then tells me that, since I was the one with the most experience in advertising agencies, I would be a consultant to the annual deals for all the agencies that manage their accounts. This included allowing new agencies to pitch for us. My boss, which didn't deal with FFC anymore, of course forgot to tell them about me. Hmm. No feeling in the world was better than entering the agency as a client. It was almost orgasmic sitting in a meeting to see their pitch and watching the VP dumbstruck when he entered the room. I was nothing but nice, but made pertinent questions and smiled all the way through. I ended up telling my boss in confidence what had happened. He authorized me to advise against the agency and said if compliance knew about their behavior, they would lose the account anyway. Yeah. So they lost the account. They lost three other accounts that same year. 
the entire leadership was fired and the agency closed. Yes, that's <laughs> fucking awesome. The VP can't find a job for his life and I just got a promotion. Hell yeah. Fuck yeah. Right? <laughs> that's <laughs> such another a good level. One. That's a, yeah. <laughs> that's extra. <laughs> Too bad I can't tell clients on the phone like, hey, check out our podcast. Right? <laughs> Pretty sure I'd probably end up getting fired. <laughs> mm, probably. Due to all the cursing and whatnot. But <laughs> Most likely. Okay, here's another one. All right. This one is from user Bochechas2. The title is How I Got My Revenge on a TV Show. He cool. Says, so to begin this story, I have to explain. I'm a college student in Portugal. So sorry if my English isn't 100%. See, again. Like this last one was written like perfectly. And he's like, I'm from Portugal. Sorry if my English isn't great. But this entire thing is just like fucking rad. Uh, I was born and raised in Azores, some little island in the middle of the Atlantic. In order to pursue college, I had to move to the mainland. And for this, I had to rent an apartment. It's a good apartment. Three rooms, two bathrooms, a living room, and a kitchen. And it's in a quiet neighborhood. So all good. This was until they started to do construction work in the apartment above me. Oh, God. Yeah. The construction work is made by a TV show called Querido Mode a Casa. That literally translates to, honey, I changed the house. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's quite famous there. They remodel the entire house. They replace everything in it with new furniture, new floor. You get it. So they make a lot of construction noise. I'm not a party kind of guy. So I'm quite calm and peaceful. And I like to stay home. Have some friends over, drink a little bit, play some games. I also do most of my college work at night in the apartment because I spend most of the day in class. Sounds about right. Right. So to explain this... Portugal has a law that you can't, you cannot, you can, oh, okay. You can make noise, like their noise curfew is from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Reasonable. Uh, most of my classes start around 11 or 12 p.m., which works really great since I get to sleep around 4 a.m. due to all the work I have to do, plus a little time to unwind. And they start drilling the floor around 8 a.m. every single day. Wow. So they're drilling in the floor, which is right above his apartment. Me and my housemates were shocked by the amount of noise they were making. So we let it pass since they shouldn't take more than a week to replace the floor. And make that assumption because my father and I did it once on our house back on the island. But no, the noise lasted for the entire time they were there. I got a little upset since I couldn't sleep, but I also couldn't leave the college work undone. So I decided to try and talk with them. I went to the upstairs apartment and knocked. Then came this really fat short guy looking Yay. at me looking at me like I wasn't even there. And the talk went like this. Me. Hi, I'm from the apartment below. Fat guy. Hey, what do you want? I was going to ask if you guys could start the drilling around 10 a.m. I'm a college student. I do do most of my work at night. So sometimes I only get to sleep in the morning. Is that at all possible? No, we have a job to do. You should sleep earlier if you want to sleep. Wow. He closes the door. I was completely pissed, but remained calm. After all, it is kind of my fault. I do go to bed that time. So some time goes by and the noise continues and I get more and more grumpy. I call customer service on the show. They said politely there's nothing they can do since it is within their legal rights. I should talk with the guys in the apartment so we can come to a conclusion. Weeks go by. That fucking apartment is the same size as mine. How the fuck are they taking so long? Until one glorious morning, I wake up, normal routine go to the bathroom to take a shower. When I turn on the light, what do I see? My bathroom is full of clay. Everything's completely dirty. 
rocks everywhere, and a fucking hole right over the top of the fucking toilet. Wow. I'm furious. My housemate arrives home that morning. He is not a calm person in these situations, and I tell him all about everything. We both go to the upper apartment, and I convinced him to let me talk. He agrees. A knock on the door. To my surprise, it was the same fat guy, but this time, he acknowledges me. Um, you guys opened a hole in my bathroom. Yeah, I, I know. We already covered our part. Um, okay, but what about our part? Well, can't you guys fix it? I mean, you're men. Can't you fix a house? Wow. Uh, that's all I'm saying about this is wow. 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 <laughs> wow. Uh, my friend is furious, but I calmly keep talking. I said, no, you broke it and you're going to fix it unless I have to call the landlord and sue your show. All right, we'll fix it. You don't need to get all formal. We came back to the house. We could hear them making fun of us because of the hole in the ceiling. My friend is furious, but I'm calm because I already thought of a way to get back at them. Yay. A couple of days go by when they finally decide to fix the hole. Two really nice guys came down and fixed it, said they were sorry. We chatted. They were cool, but my revenge was already planned. Sorry, dudes. Me and my friends both have JBL speakers, the good ones that play really loud, and this is where it begins. Every day I started to go to bed early now so I can be up at 8 a.m. First I take a shower and set up for school, and then I plug both of the speakers to my laptop, search for Japanese porn, and leave the volume up maximum and let it play in a loop until I get home around 6 p.m. Good. <laughs> my amusement was speechless, he says. My housemates agreed with that since they both left the apartment earlier. Until one day we hear a knock on our door. It's the fat guy. Hey, I don't know what you're doing, but it has to stop. We are recording today and we can't have those weird noises in the background. They record the episodes in the house so they can authenticate the sound in the house and everything. Nah, since you're in your legal right to make noise from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., I am too. And I can make all the noise I want in that period of time. That will really hurt the show and you know that. People love this show. Probably your mother watches it and loves it. Maybe, but she knows how things are around here, so she doesn't really mind. I don't really mind, and the landlord doesn't mind. Can't you fix it yourself? The fat guy goes mad, starts stomping the ground as he turns around and leaves. This continues. I see the camera crew arriving from my window. They enter the apartment, knock on my door. I don't even answer. I just play loud, lewd noises all day. <laughs> so the camera crew is going to try to get him on camera, like, doing it to them? I don't know. This goes on for three days straight with the camera crew, but one day... They just didn't try again. I think the episode was canceled due to the noise. And the funniest part is that they make the construction free for everyone. So the only revenue they gain is from the viewership of the episodes. It puts a smile on my face when I know that they just wasted budget for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. Good one, too. Bochechas. All right. This is the last one. It's a petty revenge. So this is, this is one for the not so bold. So a little background. Uh, this is, oh, sorry. This is user Winderbeth. Uh, Winderbeth? Winderbeth. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, Winderbeth. <laughs> Hell yeah, honey. Oh, Pearl. Okay. The title is Cheat With My Boyfriend, I'll Mess Up Your Drink. Oh. Okay. <laughs> she says, this is by far the pettiest thing I've ever done. <laughs> I feel like your cheeks started glowing after you said that. <laughs> 
So a little background. About four years ago, I had my first boyfriend. And because I was a young and dumb teenager, I didn't want to lose him under any circumstances. One of these circumstances happened to be his quote unquote best girlfriend repeatedly sending him nudes Mm. and him not telling her no because he quote unquote didn't want to make it weird. Fuck that guy. It's already weird, dude. Fuck him. Fuck him. Fuck him. Fuck him. And me pretending to be fine with it. I was a dumbass, and of course, I just didn't want to believe he was cheating on me. The relationship ended up lasting over a year and a half, and we broke up on his terms. Only after I was out did I realize how miserable I was. Fast forward to today, and I'm completely over the situation. I have a great boyfriend, I'm getting great grades during my first year of college, and I work at a really popular coffee chain that rhymes with Farducks on campus. (laughs) Good. I'm making drinks at the bar when I see her walk in. I smile, and by her smile, I can tell that she has no memory of who I am at all. It's the girl who my ex cheated on me with. She orders a a caramel frappuccino. No big deal. Part of me didn't want to make her drink, but the other part of me realized I could get a small amount of that sweet cold revenge. For blended ice drinks, we have a base syrup that we add that makes it so the ice doesn't separate from the drink. It's really thick, basically all sugar, and decides the consistency of the drink. So what did I do? I added two extra pumps of the base to her drink while doing one less of the caramel syrup. (laughs) Nothing that would get me into trouble. I could just say I forgot for a second. Ooh. But her frappe is going to taste just a little bit off and too watery. The rush of adrenaline kept me going for the rest of the night. (laughs) So petty. (laughs) Girl. (laughs) My goodness. Oh, my gosh. Okay, we might have to do, like, one more. Sometimes those petty revenge ones aren't the best. I mean, that was the best, but, like... It was adorable. <laughs> that is a little adorable. It was so cute. Can I just uh, say something? Yes. Folks, this is what happens when you don't send us your stories. We go to your stories. We just take your stories. <laughs> <clears throat> we take them. Uh, off of all right. This one is... Reddit. This one's a short one. It's cute. Posted by user TidyCon. The title is, Don't Litter Around My Dad. Short Boy, howdy. (laughs) (laughs) Me and my dad were parked up outside of our local corner shop, and a rude woman in the car next to us casually chucks an empty can of soda out of their car window onto the ground next to us. Screw that lady. Right. There was a bin 10 feet away. My dad, quite in shock at someone's blasé approach littering, proceeds to get out of the car, (laughs) picked up their tossed can, all while being watched by the passengers and casually launches it at their car and says, try using a bin next time, and then gets back into our car. (laughs) Good. Good job, Dad. Good job, Dad. That's the end of the story. (laughs) Hell yeah, Dad. Hell yeah, Dad. So what is it you said about having a couple bites of my pasta bake? I can squeeze in a noodle or two. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, okay. I'm still going to have a cigarette. telling me all right i'm just gonna begin the story i won't even tell you what it is about it's just gonna develop oh no all right robbie manheim born into a german lutheran family what was that upstairs no you went like that i was touching this (laughs) i I thought you went stop 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 Okay, anyways. Uh, uh, Robbie Banheim. Okay, Robbie Banheim, born in a German Lutheran family in (laughs) 1935 or around there. Was well-liked, loved, intelligent kid. A little quiet to himself, but got along with most. They lived in Cottage City, Maryland. 
And as an only child, he depended only on adults in his household as playmates. He was, yeah. Aww. I know. Mainly his Aunt Harriet. I think she was, you know, she was in her, in her 20s. So this might have been a bad idea because Auntie Harriet was into spiritualism and was a spiritualist, which wasn't super uncommon in the 40s. Robbie spent a summer with Aunt Harriet. And, of course, Aunt Harriet introduced Robbie to a Ouija board when he expressed interest in it. Oh, no. That always ends up fucking Aunt Harriet. Awesome, right? Sometime after Harriet introduced Robbie to a Ouija board, she passed away in kind of sudden circumstances, but was listed like natural causes. Hmm. Um, however, I'm unsure as to like what, what qualifies a girl in her 20s to die from natural causes. Weird. Uh, shortly after the aunt's death, they began noticing strange things within their home. Loud scratching noises in the walls, chairs and other furniture scooting and dragging around on the ground by themselves. Fuck. They started hearing loud banging on the walls and the doors, and they started seeing objects floating or being thrown out of nowhere whenever Robbie was around. So they would just like materialize and like... Well, not materialize. Like, imagine this glass would just go whoop oh, and just shit. like go I'd rather up not and, imagine that right now. And fling. Oh, and not to mention that Robbie slowly became more recluse and would have violent bursts of rage and violence. <laughs> uh, violent after, bursts of rage and violence. Oh, yeah. Uh, after experiencing this for some time, the family contacted this uh, their Lutheran pastor for help. Miles Schultz. Miles had been studying parapsychology for some time. And Faith, do you know what parapsychology is? Yeah, it's the psychology of the paranormal. Bam. Uh, so he's been studying that for some time. And as you know, he ended up arranging for the boy to stay the night at his home for observation. While at Schultz's home, He notices the same things as Robbie's family. Furniture moving, scratching, banging, things being thrown. And later later he reported hearing deep growling coming from the bedroom that Robbie was staying in. No. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Anyways, at this point, Schultz was convinced that Robbie had been possessed uh, by some sort of demon or spirit and i will say this there's going to be a quote later it's unknown if this was schultz that said it or if it was another priest let's get one thing straight there's a lot of priests in this oh my god no so (laughs) uh so schultz brought the boy back to them and was like uh yeah this is out of my league and y'all need to see a catholic priest for this one i'm out i'm outie this is above my pay grade pretty much uh so he refers them Uh, He refers Robbie's parents to Catholic Church and they take him to Georgetown University Hospital, which was a Jesuit institution. Jesuit. Jesuit institution, Um, which that means that it's a Catholic school. Yeah. It's a school for Jesus. Yes. And (laughs) members are called Jesuits. Yeah. Haven't you, don't you remember like in, uh, in high school, there was always like, the Jesuit sport teams were always like way better because it was like private schools and stuff. Nope, I don't remember. No? Okay. <laughs> uh, this is where Robbie would begin to undergo several exorcisms. Oh, shit. 
or I guess several, but it was kind of like a week long. Right. Intensive, Anyways. Intensive exorcisms. According to the story, it was a Roman Catholic priest named Edward Hughes who performed the first exorcism. However, during this process, Robbie had somehow ripped a hand out of his restraints, pulled a bed spring out from the bed. Whoa. And with the sharp end, slash Edward Hughes from starting of the crook of his elbow all the way down his wrist, <gasps> all the way down to his wrist. So just like slicing open his forearm. Holy shit. Um, which then had kind of delayed the exorcism. They had to stop. God damn. No so uh, Edward had to get all patched up. Fuck. Imagine the blood gushing out. Ew. Please don't. Don't do that. Don't imagine that. Don't imagine that. With Edward being ill and sent to Bovelia. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that one, definitely send that one to Bovelia. <laughs> no, uh, with Edward being ill, ill-equipped, <laughs> and now slashed open, <laughs> the family took Robbie to St. Louis for help because one of Robbie's cousins had contacted his professor at St. Louis University, who I think was also a bishop. And then that guy, in turn, contacted one of his homies, which was William S. Bowdern. Bowdern? B-O-W-D-E-R-N. Yeah, sounds right to me. All right. As an associate of the college church. Um, so he was also a priest. Bowdern. Okay, cool. Father Bowdern. Father Bowdern. 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 Father Bowdern. We're going to call him Bowdern. Uh, with all these ac accusations and claims of the boy's possession, Bodern had to be sure that the boy was possessed and visited the boy. The two priests observed, so it's the professor, which is also a priest of some sort, and Bodern observed Robbie during the day and during the night and noticed a simple pattern. The boy would be docile and subside his behavior and, you know, kind of be withdrawn, but, you know, just calm in general. Mm-hmm. But at night, before settling into bed, they witnessed that the bed would start shaking, the furniture would move, the boy would be speaking in a low, guttural voice, screaming, yelling, fits of rage. Um, the priest decided to try out a couple more things. They performed various tests with the boy, like hiding certain holy symbolic objects on them, like their person, mm -hmm. like hiding them. And it was said that William had placed a small Bible in his sock and the other had holy water in his like inner pocket. Right. Like chest pocket. And these things, you know, they, with these things out of sight, they would approach the boy and the boy would start like would stare at William's ankle where he like put the Bible. Uh-huh. Um, and Williams is building. well. I mean, he just put it in his sock, so it's not like it's very inconspicuous. I know, but then there would be like either pants or a robe. Fair enough. <clears throat> Anyways, anyways, he would stare at uh, <laughs> stare at the sock and also the professor's pocket and growl and shake violently. So this was kind of enough evidence for William Bodern to ask and be granted permission from the Archbishop to perform an exorcism. They moved the boy to they moved the boy to Alexian Brother Hospital and. South St. Louis, Missouri. Okay. And so, again, so I, this is his third hospital. No, this is just the second. But he went, so he was at George Fox University. And now this one. Okay. Got it. Yes. Sorry if everybody, if anybody knows this story, sorry if I don't get everything right. I'll just say that everybody kind of had different accounts as to how things happen in order, but I liked 
I liked it this way. Perfect. So I'm going to do it this way. Anyways. Hold on. I'm not mad about this. Faith is putting salt around me. But you didn't make a perfect circle. It's, there's some over here. There we go. Thanks. Oh, it's kosher. David's going to be so confused in the morning. Why is there salt everywhere? It's okay. I have a new vacuum. All right. <clears throat> All right. So they moved the boy to Alexian Brother Hospital in South, South, South St. Louis, Missouri. Oh. This is where, again, this is very confusing to me. It. I read that it was three exorcism rituals where this is big, where it began, but also... I think that this is just where the big one took place. Oh, shit. <sighs> so before it began, there were two more priests that were called upon to assist Borden. Bowden. Borden. Bo- Bowden. Father B. Father B sat in a chair next to Robbie's bed and proceeded to pull out his holy objects and tools. This is where Father B and his chair were thrown against the wall behind him. And instead of freaking the fuck out like I would, uh, Father B stood up. Whipped out his cross and yelled, what is your name? I command you in Latin. Uh And then this is when Robbie responded in a deep voice that couldn't possibly be his own and responded back in Latin. We are legions. (gasps) So this is when the three priests realized that this was not just one, but many. That is taking uh, being inside of Robbie. taking, (laughs) Taking possession. Yeah. Woo. Anyways, Walter Halloran and William Van Roo, um, those are the two priests that were called upon to help out mm-hmm. and lend a helping hand. Although it is said that like um, during all these rituals, Robbie had actually broken Halloran's nose so Whoa. fucking bad that he had to kind of step out or I don't know, like I guess he like permanently fucked up this guy's nose. Oh, no. Um, also, Halloran wrote in his journal de- in detail saying that it was impossible for the boy to have such strength. It was as though the boy had strength of like 20 men. Jesus. Yeah. Which, I mean, I kind of assume so since he can like shove his hand into a mattress and pull out a spring. A spring. Yeah. They stated that during the ritual, the words evil and hell appeared on Robbie's body. Um, like scratch it, like deep scratches. It was, and it was uh, Father B's account that the only prominent scratch mark that appeared that they like saw clear as day was straight across Robbie's chest, which was an X, which they understood to be the number 10, as in like they believed that there was 10 demons or spirits that resided in the boy. Oh my God. There was also red lines that would, like a snake that would appear going from the, his ankle, going all the way up his thigh, that would come and go. Mm-hmm. The priest continued day and night performing multiple rites. And then keep in mind that this is a major exorcism that kind of uh, started at around the beginning of March 1994 mm-hmm. or 1949. D- dang. <laughs> like 1949 is when shit started hitting the fan and, right. and his aunt died and... Robbie was acting all crazy, but it was March that all this shit was terrible. Apparently, March 20th, the exorcism had come to an extremely unhealthy level. Robbie had urinated all over his bed and began to scream and yell. And he would also scream really inappropriate things to the priests. 
Oh. Um, like sexual, trying to demean them and all of that, you know, right. as, as you see in movies and such. Right. As as they do. <laughs> as they do. On April 18th, within the Lexian Brother Hospital in St. Louis, it was the day after Easter and Robbie had awoke having seizures, screaming that Satan will always be with him. This is where the priest, all of them, surrounded, surrounded him and laid holy objects on the boy, such as crosses, rosaries, and everything until the seizures had stopped. At 10.45 p.m. on April 18th, all the priests involved, including our Fab Three, <laughs> shouted at Satan, commanding him to leave. This is where Robbie woke up and screamed, Satan, Satan, I am Satan Michael. I command you and all other spirits to leave the body now. After this, the boy reportedly screamed as though there was many screams. Oh, shit. Like super loud. And then went silent as though he was in a deep sleep. Robbie later woke up as though as he was just cured. Like, oh, what happened? Oh, weird. Yeah. Like, oh, like, I don't feel good. I'm covered in pee. And, and I have uh, scratches on my body. This big old X across my chest. Yeah. Like, holy shit, what the fuck? <laughs> and then uh, this story was the main story that helped fuel the fire and was the basis for the movie The Exorcist, the original oh, movie. It was said that Bodern and other the other priests <laughs> kept highly detailed journals of these events, and this is where the movie came from. Whoa. Is that the producers gained access to these journals. So more or less, the events started towards the end of January all the way to April 18th. So think about that. God, that poor kid. Yeah. The last exorcism almost took five weeks. Damn. Like day and night keeping watch. Yeah. Jeez, like they would cycle please. through day and night. And he was in a hospital. He was in a hospital. So, you know, I'm assuming that they try to take care of him in between the body and all that. Right. Keep him hydrated. Yep. Keep him from uh, grabbing any more bed springs. Yep. All that good stuff. Wow. Yeah. I mean, there's so much more that I could have put in here, but also I didn't really want to like go into massive detail on the shit The like, you know, because I don't want to say those things. Holy hell. Yeah. Well, not holy hell. Holy God. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Have fun putting sound clips in there. Oh, no. Yeah, that's not going to happen right away, just, <laughs> just so you know. You can do it over at my house. It's not happening right now, the, I can tell you that much. The screams, the growls, the guttural voices. Like, what is guttural? Guttural is like... Uh, it's like... Oh, ew, no. Oh, yeah. no. That was the best way I could describe it. So, like, somebody speaking in the deepest voice from, like, the... Like the pit of your stomach. Pit of your gut. Yeah. Well, now I'm upset. I'm sorry. I upset myself with this story. I'm sorry, sissy. It's okay. But I will say, um, the stories and websites, I literally like looked up like five different websites that had this story all laid out. And they all had, like, different arrangement of facts. Right. Like, a lot of them said that Hughes was the one that said, like, what's your name? I command you. But then a lot of people are right. like, no, that was Bodern. And I'm just like, fucking priests. Fucking priests. They were, they were, uh, they were assaulted. And they tried their best. <laughs> and they did it. They finally did it. And they did it. 
Yeah, I had read things where like apparently Robert Mannheim is still like alive and kicking today. Really? But I'm sure he doesn't like want to talk about they, it. Well, yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that people are guessing that that was his name because in the journals and stuff, they would just call it like Roland Doe. Like they made up a name yeah. for him. So if you want to look up, there's two different ways you can look up Robbie Mannheim or you can just look up Roland Doe and you'll find this story. Roland Doe? Roland Doe. That's clever. <laughs> wow. Roland Doe making biscuits. <laughs> making biscuits. Wow. Yeah, I had heard about that particular, the uh, response of I Am Legions, the exorcism that ended up being, thanks, you're welcome, Casey has ceremoniously passed me the cookies, the exorcism that ended up being the basis for the Emily Rose movie, that was also like, she replied, I Am Legions. Jesus. Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus, take the whole house. Hell yeah. Heck yeah. What? what? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm going to fortune it up. <sighs> All right, let me do this really quick. You always forget. You forget things. All right, guys. So, super excited to be doing our podcast. We really are, even though we're kind of fucking up with our schedules right now. And really scared right now. And we're terrified. We chose to host our feed with Anchor.fm, which is an awesome free platform that gives you like analytics about where your audience is from, tells you how many plays you have. They have a website builder right on the site. We use uh, something else, but they do have a website builder right on the site if you just want to like get your voice out there for free. The other thing too is that they can match you up with sponsors, which we haven't done yet. You'll know when we do because there there will be a commercial (laughs) (laughs) and uh, also allows listeners to donate through Stripe, which is what we would Rather do right strike. <laughs> uh, if you go to anchor.fm forward slash HQN podcast, you can find the listener support button where you can submit donations that go towards improving the broadcast as well as get us started on the road to producing actual merch and perks for you guys because we want you guys to wear patches with yeah. our name on it. <laughs> uh, all supporters get a special mention and a message on the show, and of course, a personal thank you note from Casey and myself. Thank you. And some fortune cookies. Speaking of fortune cookies. Fortune cookies. I'm going to go first this time because you always go first. (laughs) We both went. (laughs) You work best when meticulous attention to detail is called for. You will have good luck in your personal affairs. Why can't you wait until after? I can't, man. Let's get a pile They're of so good. Let's get a pile of fortune cookies first. Nobody wants to hear that crunching. All right, I got a better crack than you. Yeah, you did, but also mine's funky looking. Mine is too. It was like already halfway open. Mine's still like hella pinched upon my fortune. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I won't let go. I keep dropping pieces, but there's so much salt on the ground that I'm just like, whatever. <laughs> I can stay there. I'll vacuum it up later. Better be good. Just work way <laughs> Buy a box of fortune cookies it. today. Oh my god. It says, do not burden yourself with trivial matters. It's literally our job. Well, not our job, but it's our hobby. <laughs> Mine says, your contribution is significant. 
That's all it says. <laughs> you mean all the Reddit's contributions. Thank you, Reddit, for your contributions. <gasps> I like this one. It's significant. Others look up to you. Oh, Hell yeah. Did I ever tell you, what was that? It was Mallory and I. Shout out to Mallory. Uh, we were- Hey, Mal Mal. We were at Mars Inn, and we cracked open our fortune cookies, and mine was- <laughs> <laughs> Mallory is not- She's not even five feet tall. I want to say eleven. I want to say Mallory's like four ten, but and I'm five foot eight, and so <laughs> I open this fortune cookie and it says someone is looking up to you, <laughs> and I showed her and she was like fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> but also true. I mean, <laughs> she was. <laughs> She was looking up to you. She has to. <laughs> Hi, babe. Or that one time she got in the car after work, I was picking her up and she was like, I was like, how was work? And she was like, oh, it was a short day. And I was like, isn't every day a short day for you? And oh, she was like, no. fuck you. <laughs> All right. My last, my last fortune. I hope people like the crack, like the cracking open sound. So sad. It's really so nice. Ah, so remember how last week I had that fortune that said something unusual will happen at work next week? Yeah, do tell. I don't know yet because oh. we that we literally just recorded that. But <laughs> Oh yeah. It says your leadership qualities will shine soon. Oh shit. Take his job. Oh my god. <laughs> we gotta we gotta Water be chill my... with this because I'm like telling my coworkers about the podcast. So Water like, my lawn. I don't want like <laughs> <laughs> trying to hide in your bush right now. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever it rains outside, I'm just looks outside and looks at the lawn and he just looks like up at the clouds and he goes, Water my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> Especially like last summer was kind of a doozy on our lawn. Yeah. Because it dried it out. It so was a hot it, one. Yeah. Whenever it rained, he was just like, mm, water my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> looking up at the sky intently. <laughs> <clears throat> water my lawn. Water my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm about to marry the strange version of Hank Hill. <laughs> I think you're just going to marry a boy version of yourself. <laughs> Except Adam like is very reserved and he doesn't show his weirdness to anyone else. He's starting to show it a little bit around me, but like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> after six years, <laughs> like oh, a my tiny bit. And then he's always like, Whoop. like immediately goes back to being like <laughs> putting super up the wall. conserved. <laughs> I'm a man, not a boy in a man's body. <laughs> That's a lie. <laughs> That's a lie. Yeah. He, uh, he's my honey. He's my little childish honey. <laughs> he says the darnest things. Childish hunbino. <laughs> yeah. You, you have to call him that now. <sighs> my childish hunbino. Okay. Well, what did we learn today? Don't play with fucking Ouija boards. God damn. Even if your aunt wants you to. Seriously, don't. If your Aunt Harriet brings you a Ouija board, use it to smack her. Yeah. Yeah. Just be like, no, thank you, Aunt Harriet. Kaboom. Yeah. Let's see. 
don't send nudes to other girls' boyfriends. And if you're VP, don't try to sexually harass one of your workers and then treat her like shit. Right. She's going to make your whole company close down. Right. And if you send nudes to other girls' boyfriends, at some point, they'll make your caramel frappuccino taste like shit. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, super quick episode today, I guess. What time are we at? We're at like an hour and 15 minutes. But All right. That's going to get way edited down. You know what? It's fine. This is just a random episode we decided to record. It's cool. On a Thursday. Yeah. And I have Sunday off. So. It's true. Maybe a little... uh Recording during the day before dins. We're doing our best. Yeah. So right know. now, I guess one thing we can promise is our episodes will come out when they come out. Yeah. Water my lawn. Water my lawn. All right. Well, you're all high quality people. And this is... Wait. Oh. <laughs> thank you for coming. And thank you for listening. We just wanted to say that we really appreciate that you're here. Thank you for hanging in there with us. Thank you. You've made it to episode uh, nine, I think. This will be episode 10. Oh, shit. Big old one zero. Wow. Episode 10. Are we famous yet? I don't know, but I feel pretty great about it. Me too. I have a lot of fun doing this. Me too. And I have a lot of fun doing it with you. I have a lot of fun doing it with you, sissy. I love you, sissy. I love you, sissy. And we love our listeners. And we love you guys. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you for listening. This is... High quality nonsense. <laughs> Here.